versus Noah in Yokohama eventually when it comes up. Um, we just haven't a chance to watch it yet, to be honest. <laughs> so uh, we're not going to talk about that today. Uh, we might talk about it next week, but I think both of us were a bit New Japaned out after this particular series of events. Would you not agree, Mr. Dinsdale? I was kind of a bit wrestled out on the whole because... In the same week I watched these, I must have reviewed about seven or eight different shows. From, <laughs> like, maybe more. Two GCW, two... Cho- no, bloody five Chaka Pro, Gaki, VXS, H2O. Yeah, I, I reviewed a lot. And yes. then found, somehow found the time to watch these as well. So yeah, so if you watch, the, if you listen to the Today at series shows this week, I give a little 15-minute roundup of my thoughts, and now I've had time to think about it. Some of my thoughts have changed, some of my thoughts have evolved, and we haven't heard from John, so we'll do it this way, and then you can have a balance. This show might sound very different than the Today at shows, having thought about it, but we'll see. So, night one opened with the New Japan Rambo, which is often the best, most fun part of the show. And this was a lot of fun. It wasn't particularly serious wrestling until it got down to not cutting time. But until then, it was hilarious fun. Uh, as traditional in Battle Royals, would you like to take the uh, honors, sir, or shall I do it? Ah. Uh, uh, reading out who was in it. <laughs> Shit, I don't actually have a full. Okay, then I do. So Chase Owens and Seema and Minoru Suzuki and Toriyano defeated Aaron Hanurei, Budluck Farley, Duki, Hiroshi Tenzan, Kosei Fujita, Master Wato, Reo Oa, Satoshi Kojima, Takuma Chinoku, Tatsumi Fujinami. Sorry, Tatsumi the Dragon Fujinami. Yes, that Tatsumi Fujinami. Togi Makabe, Tomiyaki Honma, Yoshinobu Kanemura, Yuji Nagata and Yuto Nakashima in 27 minutes and 14 seconds. And this was actually quite lovely. I enjoyed this. My favorite parts was Fujinami joining the Battle Royal because he's 70 and doesn't care much. And Minoru Suzuki just destroying all the young boys in, what's the word, uh, factory-like fashion. (laughs) Sleeper, armbar, sleeper, armbar. Go away with you. We have no use for you. This is where men do their business. What's your thoughts on this, John? Yeah, welcome to Minoru Suzuki's conveyor belt of pain. <laughs> this, yeah, this was nice. I I always love tuning into the Rambos because they're always fun and energetic and you get the odd surprise, like Seema appearing. And you're just like, oh shit, Shima's here. What the hell? <laughs> yes, representing Glate. Um Chris Charlton cleared up the pronunciation for us. It is Glate. Um, Glate. That is the correct pronunciation. Glate. Um, yes, and he was he was banging. It was ace. This was a lot of fun. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It was cool. Didn't get much from love from the cage match guys. Four point three one. But if you like wrestling as entertainment, then this is my kind of bag. 
I really enjoy New Year's era battle royals. Old Japan do a good one as well. Um, there is the traditionally the the hundred and eight person battle royal from Kai and Tai Dojo, BJW, DDT, and uh, Kai and Tai, which is on YouTube and has been given a permanent home because somebody bought the rights for it to make sure it never disappeared ever again. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was really cool. It's from about 2013. It, it's got Abdullah Kobayashi in all of his characters throughout the whole universe of BJW, DDT, and whoever else. Uh, it's It's got Nick and Lee and the other referees from BJW playing uh, their five-headed sea monster gimmick in the Battle Royal, which was a bit awkward because they were all refing the Battle Royal at the same time. It's that, it's that glorious. In fact, I might do a special episode purely on that. I've been saving it for quite some time, but I haven't found anyone I need to, to bizarre shock and awe them with it. Anyway, this was good. Thoroughly enjoyable. Not particularly difficult to digest. Fun professional wrestling. See, the cool thing is that it seems like the strong hearts are sticking around. Yes, that's another thing. There was other things on this show which were really cool. Some things not so cool. Speaking of which, Yo defeated Show, which was the right result in the wrong match. <laughs> if that makes sense. See, this, I, I didn't this was, hate this. No, I didn't hate it. It was solidly good up until the last three minutes, which you kind of expected, so I can deal with that. That's fine. Um, but it could have been so much better, I think. If it was later on the card, for one thing, because being the opener on the main show was a bit, if you see what I mean, kind of cornered them, um, and they had to steal the show if they were going to get anywhere, and they didn't. But it told the story they needed to tell. So I was happy with it. What were your thoughts on it, John? Yeah, it was it was fine. It was pretty nasty, pretty personal, and it was good. Like I enjoyed it, but again, it's one of these things where I'm looking back on it and I'm just like, why did they do this and why did they do that? And why are you showing House of Torture? And why do House of Torture exist? And why were they so pivotal in the opening match? of the opening show where you want to get people as lively as possible and yeah I mean it, I, House of Torture upsets people on many different levels I had a minor falling out with somebody this week who has been a very long time follower of mine a mutual of mine and I follow her and they're awesome and they're really really cool and they were upset that I didn't like House of Torture because it was boring um, so hopefully they'll forgive me but there you go are they a 2000s WCW fan? No, they aren't. Then how the <laughs> fuck does House of Torture appeal to them? Because they're a big evil fan. I think you could be a big evil fan and still hate House of Torture. I know, but I mean, we shouldn't have to actually hate stuff. But this is just, it's one of those things, you know, it's, it, I don't see the point. Nobody likes it or not enough people like it. I know there's a story there and I know there's something happening and it's going to be long term. But... And maybe I haven't got the patience I used to have, but when so much of the rest of the show is so god awful, then you don't have time. Like maybe three years ago, I'd have patience for this storyline because essentially it's the same thing Bullet Club's always done, just more, more, more with more, more, more. And it's like it just has become painful. <laughs> the dumb thing is, though, we've we've done this before, and it's done the same thing when the firing squad existed. 
Nobody I didn't mind the firing squad existing doing it. I didn't mind the firing squad doing it though. And the reason why I didn't mind the firing squad doing it was because they'd genuinely been held down by higher talents for the sake of, you know, they'd been held down by the elite. And that I didn't mind because it's a storyline that makes sense. They were that angry they were going to ruin everything for everybody. But House of Torture I don't get because it's just, there's no impetus enough for it to make it work, if that makes sense. It's like for the talent involved, I wanted to like it. And like as an evil fan, so just to sort of bridge the gap with this disgruntled mutual of yours, mm. evil is a great wrestler. But ever since they did this bullet club shtick, he's not been allowed to be a great wrestler. No. He has to be a stereotypical slow dolt heel doing slow dolt matches full of interference. So they have taken your favorite wrestler and shat all over him. That is why we don't like House of Torture. And yeah. because it's it's just cliched shtick that didn't really work before and is not working now, but because New Japan's in a tailspin, they're just trying to go down with the ship. I don't think they're trying to go down with the ship. I don't think that things are that bad. They've not got as bad as they possibly could be, though night two of this was pretty bad. Um, I think that the the issue is it's just we've had so much of it and it's like even the commentary team saying they don't like it and the fans don't like it and and you know they're, they're selling it for all they possibly can which just you know it just beggars belief as to why they're still doing it but there you go and i can understand oppression oppression sells tickets but oppression sells tickets at the top of the card i'm not sure it does in the middle but anyway well it, i think we probably as we can the actual match itself there's nothing wrong with it Except for the, and it was nice to get uh, for Yo to finally get come out on top of one of those squib endings, which makes sense. Um, but that was pretty much Chaos's run of luck against Bullet Club. Uh, sorry, against House of Torture, kind of ending at that particular point. So you know, it became mid the next day, pretty predictable. Shall we move on? Yeah. See, this is the thing as well. Phantasmo, Kenta, and Taiji Ishimori defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi, the mega coaches, Rocky Romero, and Raisuke Taguchi. I have less issue with these guys, but Phantasmo and Ishimori have been doing what House of Torture have been doing for 18 months, which has made the House of Torture stuff even more unbearable because you've already got one team and we're already doing it. And at least they're doing it with a sense of humor, but House of Torture aren't. <laughs> So, you know, and this was fine. House of Torture name was just there for how it affects the audience, not the rest of Possibly so. It's Um, really torture to watch. (laughs) In an odd result, an odd finish, Hiroshi Tanahashi was disqualified. The whitest meat of all white meat baby faces went nuts on Kenta with a kendo stick, uh, which was a precursor. It's what they call in the trade as foreshadowing. I wonder if that will be a theme. John, your thoughts on this particular matchup? It was fine. I remember the finish more than anything. It's obviously, if you like Phantasma and Ishimori, and you like the super coach, the mega coaches, then yeah, you're going to enjoy this match for what it is. It's just a bit of like throwaway fodder with a big sort of story hook to capture your attention for tomorrow's no DQ title match. Yeah, that was it. Not a lot to be said about it, which is unfortunate because traditionally at Wrestle Kingdom every match matters that's on the main card and this didn't 
at all, which is, I mean, it did in some terms of the story sense, but there was very little stakes as to what was going on. It was a house show match. This is the problem with the two-night formula now. Instead of having one solid mega card, we've now got to have two okay cards. Yeah, that's the issue. They treat it more like a sort of build-up to a best of Super Juniors match or a G1 card where it's just like, right, we've got our tournament matches and we've got the story matches to build to the next tournament matches. That's all Wrestle Kingdom kind of is now as well, just with slightly higher stakes. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like they've done multiple nights. Like New Beginnings will be probably in two different venues, but they'll have two very different stories told for the main events, and you know they can hang a bunch more stuff around it. Whereas Wrestle Kingdom, one day after the other in the same venue, you've got no gap between them to change the story if you need to, and you're kind of stuck. And it makes things predictable, really. But let us move on. Um, Great O'Khan, Jeff Cobb, mm-hmm. Um, Billy No Mates with Aaron Henry defeated Los Ignorables Day upon Bushy Sonada and Tetsi Nato in nine minutes and 27 seconds. All of these people would have single matches the following day except for Bushy, who got his Wrestle Kingdom payday and pinned, as you probably could imagine, but he didn't give anything away in the following day's events when Cobb would wrestle uh, Nato and uh, Sonada would wrestle Okan. Um, and Osprey tried as very little in this particular match, ideally to kind of save himself for the following day, which is a fairly reasonable storyline trait if for the fact I can't stand the sight of his sight of him or his voice, which just 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 grates on me like you wouldn't believe. So this happened. John <laughs> I so two thirds of the United Empire I really like. Like Orkan and Cobb, great at what they do. It's a shame they're in this faction. Hell, Henner is great. It's a shame he's in this faction. But oh, like... oh, no, we've, we've actually all decided that the United Empire is everyone except Will Ospreay. <laughs> ah. there, was a vote, there was a vote, and we don't see Osprey. He's just kind of a guy who hangs around with his cool blokes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to his credit, I liked what Osprey chose to do here because it was logical, and it wasn't him trying to steal the spotlight for once. He was literally like, all right, I've got me bruises. You two do the work. I'm going to sit it out because I've got the big match tomorrow. And it's like, yeah, that's that's what your type of character would do. So well done. You, you did something logical. And I mean, it's LIJ. LIJ are great in that sort of keeping you interested in these throwaway bouts. Again, it's just a story match, really, or a little build-up match. Mm-hmm overshadowed by the fact Osprey won because you couldn't let Okan or Cobb get the victory over one of the men they're facing tomorrow because, ooh, tension. <laughs> they probably yeah. thought, oh, we did that in the last match. We can't have that two times in a row. That would be sensible. Yes. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Hey, I like New Japan. Japan. Just going to throw that out there. I like New oh, Japan. Oh, yeah, we both like New Japan. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with New Japan. It's some of their decisions over the last 12 months have been... Uh, anyway, uh, next I, I always wonder when you bring me on if you're just expecting a lightning storm. 
But well, no, thank no, you it's not. It's not. It's to just understand a... that I'm not shitting on them for the sake of shitting on. No, them. neither of us are. But there's also the other point is all of the other presenters don't watch New Japan anymore, which tells you an awful lot. <laughs> like Alex watched loads of AW last year. Um, uh, Chelsea tends to just watch women's wrestling now because that's her thing. So fair enough, you know. Um, Marcus does occasionally watch New Japan, but he got heavily into Ring of Honor last year. So that's why I did all the Ring of Honor shows with him. So it's, it's just that people have drifted away from New Japan. These are people yeah. who love pro wrestling, you know, and they've kind of like just gone, eh, I'm not that interested anymore. Speaking of Arrowhead, did you see the cool shit that happened last night? No, I did not, know. Um, Right. Uh... Oh, no, no, so I had to kill. Don't tell me because I ain't seen it yet and I want to watch it later oh. today. Okay, I've sorry watched... about that, guys. I do apologize. I've watched some of Hard to Kill and it was pretty good stuff, actually. Yeah, so I, I am watching it later this evening. I'm intrigued by that women's uh, X Ultimate X match. That should be cool. They all um, with that. So. Yeah, well, as they usually do with an Ultimate X because they've got to take it down again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I was like, what I've done when I did a random wrestling review. Um, the two shows I've done so far open. One opens with a cage match, and one's got a cage. But the other one opens with a cage match as well. And it was uh, New Year's Revolution from 2007, and SummerSlam, a SummerSlam, which opened with a cage match. Um, so yeah, it's they always kind of like do it that way so that they can cut to backstage interviews while they're getting rid of all the stuff. <laughs> oh, speaking of setup, I reviewed um. VXS versus MPU's um, already dead show yesterday, which best show of the year so far. Mm. Just consistently good indie matches, hardcore matches, and death matches. With uh, Matt Tremont versus AJ Gray as the main event in the House of Horrors match, and it took nearly an hour to set up the House of Horrors stipulation. Just because they were ha- they had to hang light tubes everywhere. Oh, God. <laughs> and it it's they sort of said, oh, we'll be back in 15 minutes, understanding that, sorry, not understanding just how much time goes into hanging light tubes every <laughs> it's, oh, It was worth it because the match is practically my match of the year at the moment because it's it's a 20-minute slug out between one of the greatest deathmatch wrestlers on the planet and one of the most versatile, soon-to-be best deathmatch wrestlers on the planet if he keeps going at it. So yeah, that's that's a little match recommendation for me. The show's like ten quid on fight, and it will yeah. kill two and a half hours with a nice mix of death matches, Ring of Honor talent. Like they had Vincent versus Atticus Koga, which is just like mind games and hardcore. Cool, sounds interesting. Let's move on with the show though. Katsuyuro Shibata, the wrestler, made his comeback full wrestling match against X. Who turned out to be Ren Narita, one of his own students from the LA Dojo. It went for 11 minutes and 46 seconds. From what we understand, Shibata, who would have been announced for a catch style wrestling match where he wanted to bring back the spirit of Billy Robinson, Carl Gotch, and Antonio Inoki, the original kind of founding fathers of New Japan Pro Wrestling, the Lancashire style, as he put it. I imagined him sat in a pub in Oldham with a whippet. Anywho, um, <laughs> And a flat cap. And a flat cap. Supping mild. Um, yeah. Uh, however, when he got to the ring, grabbed the house microphone and said, 
I want this to be a full professional wrestling re-debut. So they had a crack at that, and it was exceptionally good considering a guy who's had five years off um, and nearly died. Apparently, Meltzer said in the Wrestling Observer this week, and I can't believe he actually said this out loud, and I wonder sometimes if he does actually just say things out loud and then just go, that's fine, that they took his brain out of his head and put it back again during his brain surgery. Anywho, <laughs> that kind we of... We do not live in a science fiction universe. Uncle Dave has been at the bananas again. Anyway... As um... much as I wish we did, we do not live in a science fiction <laughs> universe, Dave. <laughs> ah, anyway, yes, this match was pretty damn good, considering the limitations put on it from the outset. And Shibata looked absolutely on point. He's clearly been training very, very hard for this. What were your thoughts on it, John? Yeah, this was pretty much Return of the King. Like, this was great. Like, I love the fact Shibata was just like, I'm in a grappling match. You know what? Fuck this. Hey, give me the mic. And and everyone was just fine with this. It's like, yeah, fuck it. He nearly died once, but he'll be fine. And he was. He was bloody brilliant in this. And obviously, he's put a lot of trust in Narita, considering he was letting him strike him out. Yeah. This, this was great. Like, this is what I wanted to see. This was why I tuned into the show. Yeah, Shabbat right. back, doing what he does best with someone he knows can hang with him. Yeah, that's it. And Narita is kind of the wrestler mark too. He hasn't shed his young boy black tights and boots. He likes that look. He likes that straight ahead approach. He's got a PK that's uh, exemplary and a mat submission style that echoes his mentor. Yeah, there you go. There's a World Tag League team for you next year. A terrifying World Tag League team for you next year, to be honest. But I know we'll what I want to see on. now is Shibata's returning to full, like, returning to full-scale matches. And that's... I think Shibata versus either Chris Dickinson or Filthy Tom Lawler. I think they possibly might do that. Depends on whether they keep him in the States because he's too much of a draw in Japan to be um, used in the States. Unless they just want to keep him at the dojo and keep things ticking over at the dojo and have occasional matches. But he's still a big name. I want them to... I want to see Shibata versus Chris Dickinson (laughs) because that will be absolutely insane like once chris dickinson's back from injury i want to see them go at it because he will give shibata the fight of his life (laughs) all right then we move on oh god do we have to talk about this Uh evil defeated tommy hiroishi in arguably the worst new japan pro wrestling match i've ever seen I'm. Uh, this was beyond atrocious. It wasn't just that the booking was terrible; the match was awful. And it takes a long way to go for a match with two career uh, antagonists like Ishii and Evil, who've had big feuds before, to have just a dreadful wrestling match. And it was just terrible. And um, they were both hitting hard, and they were trying to tell a story, but the interference just got in the way of everything else, and it was just dreadful. And to tell you how dreadful it was, you won't necessarily see these people agreeing on the same time. The uh, cage match users gave it 1.96. God, it's dropped since I last saw it. it was Wrestling like... Observer, that's Dave Meltzer, gave it one star. That's Jesus. how bad it was. 
it was absolutely awful. And it's it's not the wrestler's fault to an extent. It's just a story that's just killing everything in the company, as far as we can tell. John, your thoughts? <laughs> uh, like, I had the unfortunate knowledge going into this that people hated this match. Because I didn't watch Wrestle Kingdom Live. I was asleep. And didn't feel like breaking that to go and watch this live. Which is, I think this is the first year I've never done like where I haven't watched it live. Mm. Since getting into New Japan in 2018, I think it was. I watched, I did watch this, most of this, I watched on the same day. I didn't get to watch it all live. I think I watched the first match live. I think I watched the Rambo live because I was on the bus and I got to see the Rambo and that was about it. I'd have fallen asleep if I was trying to watch this live. <laughs> like, you could tell that Ishii and Evil were trying their hardest with something they really didn't want to do. Like, Ishii will nearly always give you everything he has. But even he seemed to be flagging here just because it was so shit. It was continuous interference, continuous bullshit. And Ishii now has a one-star match. Fucking Ishii. One of the (laughs) most consistent, like, brutal wrestlers who can carry a mop to a great (laughs) match has a one-star match because of House of Torture. And you wonder why people hate House of Torture. Like, they they took what was going to be a pretty decent match because all they had to do was punch each other in the face for 10, 15 minutes. We could (laughs) still have Evil win it, but we'd all be a lot happier than the bloody shit show we got where there was about six different people in the ring at six different occasions, and you're just like, why? Why do you feel the need to ruin the matches people actually want to see? Like, was the first match between Yo and Sho not enough? Like, you can get us to hate House of Torture without literally nuking your entire show for the sake of it. Yeah. Like... Evil versus Ishii is a money match. It's been a money match in the past because they're two bruisers who know how to hurt each other. They literally don't need any more motivation than that. Yeah, they had a big feud over their relative mentors with um, Ricky Chosu and Animal Hamaguchi um, commentary stuff. And, you know, they went back and forth over that for a while. And, you know, it just kind of was a really good feud, and that was exactly what this needed to be, and it just wasn't. This was Tai Chi Naito levels bad. In that the interference just completely killed any heat you could have potentially had from it. Just let the wrestlers go. Like... yeah, This could have been good. Yeah, and it's also the fact that it's like, the argument was, well, you know, and it's absolutely right, argument is like, Oshiyashi and Goto couldn't Go help because they were they were in the next match and Okada was trying to center himself for the world championship match. Um, so that left Yo, who was the only other chaos member in the building. Although it was Rocky as well, he didn't turn up. <laughs> so it's like, uh, yeah. Was there any other members of Chaos kicking about? I was gonna it say was Rocky. Sure came out. Rocky was about 
I'm surprised Taguchi didn't come out in like his underwear or something. The match was already a fucking joke. I'm a pre- I'm assuming that um, Robbie Eagles was there somewhere. What, what happened with him? <laughs> you know, it's just uh, well, it'd been all right. They could have mustered three members of Chaos to like at least make it fair, but no. So yeah, so that was dreadful. Shall we move on? Yeah. To the three actual matches that mattered and made sense and were actually good. Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi defeat Dangerous Techers as Chaos take the IWGP Tag Team Championships from Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. in a phenomenal professional wrestling match. Goto and Hashihashi ran the board on the Dangerous Techers. The Techers were one step behind through the entire match and they just got beat, which is an interesting story to tell because Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. have been the dominant team in that division for a year and to have them just lose was an intriguing selling point, and I liked it because it certified Yoshihashi as a main event player. Hiroki Goto has been there for quite some time, but Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. didn't lose anything, even though they lost clean and were pretty much dominated for this entire match. Yoshihashi and Goto had all the answers, and Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. went over and congratulated them at the end of the match because they were that damn good, which tells you an awful lot about this match and the belief that they had in... Yoshiashi and Goto at the end of World Tag League when they said, you can win this, so let's do it right at Wrestle Kingdom. You know, and it does mean Dangerous Techers are kind of baby faces these days, but I don't think they're that angry about being baby faces. John, what's your thoughts on this match? Yeah, after after the sort of miasma that had sort of polluted the show from that last match, it was nice <laughs> to just have a solid back and forth, no bullshit match. And especially one with a like full of people I actually like. And it was just, yeah, as you said, it was a great match. Great little story told. And the fact that like we've got a new Major League player tag team now mm. to sort of spice up the division a bit. It's, it's nice to see. And yes, I can finally sort of be proud about the fact I've always supported Yoshihashi. As we have always at this show, seven years of saying it's going to be Yoshihashi's year. We were right eventually. Two championships and a tournament within a year. That's 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 a career, and he managed to do it in the space of eighteen months. So I remember, I've told this story before, but when he used to work at like right for Fight Booth, I was asked to do like my top five matches of the G One so far, and I put Yoshihashi versus Okada at number five because I was like. This was a match that made me give a shit about Yoshihashi. And yeah. it's like, ever since then, it's like, oh, he's the leader of the Yoshihashi fan club. And it's like, who's laughing now? Yeah. You, Marcus, and um, Christy are well, well happy with this result, as am I, as I am, of course, uh, leader of all chaos marks generally. But this was exceptional. I'm just, just glad really, it was really a decent good. match. Yeah, no. Oh, speaking of decent matches, El Desperado defeats Hiromu Takahashi in 16 minutes and 18 seconds. Arguably the two biggest rivals in New Japan right now and the ones that consistently produce the best matches have another blinder. Kevin Kelly has been pointing out that it was Desperado taking on Hiromu Takahashi in his kind of match, a big high spot, dramatic kind of match rather than a bust and grind kind of El Desperado brawl. And Despi came out on top again. A man who is renewed, who believes he can lead the junior heavyweight division just as well as Hiromu Takahashi, who cares about that championship around his neck. 
this was exceptional. This was really, really good and exactly the kind of match I was hoping for after a uh, lacklustre results-wise for Despi. Um, but that, that, back, that tie they had in the Best of Super Juniors kind of set this up beautifully. So thoroughly enjoyed this. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, again, great match. I will always be happy to see these two fighting. It, I, I think one of the things that popped the most for me though is the fact that Desperado did a splash and Kevin Kelly was was it Kevin Kelly or Chris Charlton was just like, oh yeah, this is a reference to John Kasai who broke his jaw. And I was like, they're still <laughs> talking about that, and I love it. <laughs> oh, that is a great match, by the way. If you can seek out Takataichi Mania two for. I think it was, yeah, Takataichi Mania 2 with Despi versus Kasai. It's an amazing sort of hybrid, deathmatchy, luchery, fun match. Uh, Takataichi Mania 3 is coming out this month, by the way. Yeah, I wonder what the hell the car's going to be for that. I don't know. Now, now Taka's back in the New Japan fold. They've got back to promoting again. <laughs> apparently, there's going to be an LIJ uh, self-promoted show, the rumour is, as well. That'll be intriguing. New Japan opening the forbidden door a little bit. Uh, they wanted to do like massive collaboration efforts for the 50th year, didn't they? Yeah, which is the start with the New Japan Noah show at Yokohama. They did say they're going to do a show with All Japan at some point through the year as well. And certainly something with DDT. So we need to see something with BJW and Freedoms. Just New Japan versus Death. <laughs> there might be a like, distinct disadvantage. What do you mean? There's no light tubes. Where's the barbed wire gone? <laughs> I don't know. I'd love to see like Abdullah Kobayashi, Ryuji Ito, and ooh, who'd be another one? Another one of the BJW vets who I can't think of off the top of my head. Oh, in fact, no. Takashi Sasaki, Ryuji Ito, and Abdullah Kobayashi versus the dads. <laughs> that would be... Because, like, they can all wrestle. They're all great wrestlers as well. So it's uh, just, like, it doesn't need to be a death match. Just give me dad-on-dad violence. A uh, brilliant line from Bix this week when he was watching the Noah New Japan show. He said, Akitishi Sato's hair concerns him and I said that's the thing that worries you about <laughs> they muted their music they muted everybody's music like I, I saw a screenshot of someone just like how can they do this to the funky express no no everyone's music was muted it wasn't just theirs I'm like but surely this is an organised show by two wrestling companies who own the rights to all the music except for Maccabay I suppose but so what? Uh-huh. Don't know. Anyway, something to do with Amoeba, Amoeba TV, pay-per-view television. Um, I'm sure we'll find out in, in the future. But yes, Despi and Hiromu Takahashi, outstanding work from both men. Also leaves the door open for a rematch at next Wrestle Kingdom, which will be the big junior heavyweight money match, which if Hiromu wants to headline Wrestle Kingdom, that might be the one to do it again. If he won this week, he would never Wrestle Kingdom with, he would never main event Wrestle Kingdom with anyone else, would he? You know, Despy's the man now. He's the best junior heavyweight in the world. I don't think there's anyone better. So a year of these two playing back and forth and cat and mouse over the IWGP heavyweight junior heavyweight championship and then going for it at Wrestle Kingdom, that could be a headlining match. Yeah, that that would be a pretty awesome little story to well, big story to tell. Big story to tell. 
Um, we got sidetracked on this match, but it's because you don't really need to say a lot about it. It, it was just it was just Takahashi, yeah. the most dependable pairing in New Japan. Like all you've got to do is put them in a match, and they'll find a way to entertain you. That's it. Then we get to the main event of the evening. Shingo Takagi, the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, lost to the G1 Climax winner, Kazuchika Ricardo in 35 minutes and 44 seconds of an exemplary professional wrestling match. This was outstanding and exactly the kind of match that Takagi has been pulling out all year. Thankfully, a bit shorter than most of them, so it was, it was still of palatable length. Add more false finishes than um, the Lord of the Rings, which was probably a bit much. But, you know, they were trying to tell a changing of the guard story, and that made sense at this particular time in the company because they can't draw a squat and they need the old man back in charge, and that's fair enough as far as I'm concerned. I know it probably wasn't the most interesting thing they could have done, but they need to right the ship. And Okada is their Bret Hart slash Ric Flair. He's the moneymaker that will always keep on giving. So the story that they've told with him, I don't think has been a bad one. I think they probably wanted to go with NATO as the guy to get the title back and leave Okada as break glass in need of main eventer. <laughs> but because of the injuries during the G1, Okada was not a bad choice. Um, but the actual match itself was outstanding. And it was kind of what you expected from these two to produce. What's your thoughts on it, John? Again, this this was fine. Like, from an action standpoint, this is excellent. Like, Takagi and Okada kind of get each other. They knew how to work around each other. And on a move-per-move basis, it was fine. But something was missing from this. It, I don't know if it was the lack of a fan, in, like, fan interaction, how quiet the venue was. Mm. The the fact that I knew Orcada was winning even without having to look at the results, it, yeah. it didn't feel like the end of a story. It just felt like flipping back to page one because you've lost your place. It it didn't feel like a big event. It just felt like a, oh we fucked up so royally now we have to return to what works. Which is such a shame because Shingo has done such a great job of carrying what is a lackluster belt through a lackluster time for the company. He has continuously tried to put on the best matches possible. He's carried himself like a champion. He's took this ball and ran with it. But this was just like the ultimate sign of, well, we've just not got the faith in you because here's all dependable Okada back. And people are going to be happy about that, and I am to a degree, because it means at least we might get some proper main event matches that don't run over 40 minutes, but it just, <laughs> something felt wrong with this, and you, it just all felt so samey, I guess is the word, because it just shows a complete lack of faith in change. Like, I'd, I'd love to see just a total wild card. Because we're already in the sort of era of just going... at sensible booking, so... Yeah, no, I see what you mean. And I, I, I agree to an extent. But I think this is the thing they've learned in the last 12 months is... 
they can't stray too far from the herd with the core audience they've got because that's all who's watching now. You know, this is their wider audience, which was the elite audience, if you will, aren't necessarily watching New Japan the way they used to or as regularly as they used to. So they have to shore up the home audience. And they tried, and they did it so badly. You know, the belt controversy itself is, well, it's a signifier that if people aren't interested in the wrestlers who are wrestling for the belt, they're only interested in the belt. That's a bad sign to start with. But that particular, hanging that storyline around it becomes, you know, it's, it is explaining your faults in public. And the fact that Okada is the only person they could really get. I mean, him and Tanahashi, the only two people who could really give that championship some kudos but it is so been so avoidable they could have just merged the championships and kept the generation four belt and everyone would have been more or less happy really but it's the fact that the the wrestlers didn't like it the fans didn't like it you know it's just badly done badly prepared it's just showed what a year new japan that just didn't do right so at the end of this particular match okada takes the tour generation belt says thank you to the fourth generation belt for getting him to the world title and, and creating enough of a, a rush in himself to be able to get to that championship belt and then takes the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship belt as his belt, which kind of should bury any more controversy involving it. Someone said this week, will you now admit that belt is beautiful? And I was like, no, it's as ugly as sin and it still is and always will be. But You've just you gotten know, used to it. You just got used to it. You just kind of stopped fighting it because it's there all the time. We all got used of... to WWE's jam belt. We can get used to this fucking belt. <laughs> it's still Cody's nightmare tattoo in gold. That's all it is. But there you go. But the actual match itself, it was exceptional. And it's unfair that we are being negative towards it when two wrestlers really put their heart and soul into this particular match. But we kind of expected they would. It's not like, their fault. It. it was a good match. Like, it just had no atmosphere because it just kind of signposted the sort of awful time we've come through. And all the other thing I can't escape from is what happens when Okada doesn't work anymore? Because there's only so many times you can pull this shit before it stops working. They have made, they have pulled new stars out of their ass for the last five years. So I don't doubt that there will be a main event coming through that they've got an eye on that's going to be the guy. Um, and as long as they can keep Okada protected, because there is the whole point is like Okada's still like 35. He's still got 10 years left of being a main event superstar, but they can't run him at the top all the time. He needs a break. NATO has no knees left. If we get five years out of him, it'll be a miracle. Bless him. And even Tanner is showing signs of wear and tear, especially after what happened on the next card. But I think that, yeah, Okada will eventually stop working. But if they keep him right, if they don't keep pushing him at the title all the time, then I think we'll be okay. You're going to love this. Now, hang on. We've got breaking news coming in from a Twitter feed, I'm no doubt. <laughs> this was an hour ago from Moose. Oh, I claim God. to be the wrestling god. He claims to be the head of the table with all this forbidden dart talk. What if? The reason why they got Mickey James was because WWE fans know who she is. And they don't have <laughs> women to fill a Royal Rumble. And they fired everybody. Um, I, d- I don't know. So, that, that could be an interesting match. 
It could be an interesting match, but who'd want to watch it? No one knows who Moose is. Outside of the Impact universe, as it were. And some New Japan fans who were in California. It's, it did take you've got to do a ton of stuff to make that match work in the WWE ring. I don't know. He's just he's a big, like tattooed guy that does power moves. I think WWE fans would lap him up in a nutshell, like in a half. They would do, but WWE would bury him in three minutes flat. He would get killed because that's the way WWE works. <laughs> I just I just happened to catch that because. Sean Rock tweeted it, and I was just like, you know what? That that's that's kind of a fun talking point. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think this. I mean, I think the I think the the wrestlers in Impact Wrestling are using this opportunity. For those of you who don't know, Mickey James is going to be in this year's Royal Rumble. Uh, for the, I think Impact of wrestlers will be brainy enough to use it to their advantage to to get something out of it. But I don't think we'll see anything more than Mickey James being. And she doesn't even work for Impact. She works for the NWA. So, it's that's the point. It's cool to think just how many companies Impact has managed to work with. Yeah, I tell you what I want to see. Uh, Murdoch, the current NWA World Heavyweight Champion, against Bobby Lashley. That I'd see. That I'd watch. That would be interesting. That would be cool. Um, God, that would get stiff. Oh, it would, wouldn't it? But yes. Um, yeah. No. I, I kind yeah. of hope Rosemary gets a shot in the Royal Rumble and all, to be honest. I think that's the same issue is that she's no one knows who she is, do they? You're looking at like three million people watch Raw every week and fifty thousand people watch Impact every week. So the numbers just aren't comparable. I mean, I'm not saying this is bad. I'm not I don't dislike Impact Wrestling. We've had this discussion quite quite a lot before, but just being realistic. They're not they're not on the same level, are they? As wrestling fans, we think they are, because we like wrestlers. But, you know, from a, a drawing money point of view, it's, I just think that they, they went with the Impact Champion because they knew she was and it was a good nostalgia spike and, it, it you know, the Impact are pretty cool. They let people take their names with them when they're finished with them. So, you know, that's, that's, which was one of the really cool things Impact did was allowing people to keep their identity. Hence why EC3 has been EC3 in Impact, Ring of Honor, World, WWE, and wherever he goes next, which is really cool, I think. I know that was a bit off topic, but I feel like we just needed a bit of a palate cleanser before we dive into <laughs> this. Yes, night two was back at the Tokyo Dome in front of a crowd of a somewhat anemic 6,379. By the way, night one, 12,047, which goes to show that if you know who's in the main event, then you sell tickets. If you don't know who's in the main event, funnily enough, you don't sell tickets. Or alternatively, you book it so that one guy can win and the other one can't, and then then book in with a guy that nobody wants to watch. You go. Anyway, let's move on and get through this particular card, which wasn't actually that back in terms of the undercard. It was problematic when it came to the main event, but we'll talk about that later. Great Bashir, Togi Makabe, Tommy Akihoma, and Yuji Dikata defeated Bullet Club, Badluck Farley, Ghetto, and Jeddo. Togi Makabe's, oh, sorry, uh, Tommy Akihoma's second pinfall victory in six months. He's on a roll. <laughs> perfectly fine did what it said on the same Chase Owens uh, is back in oh no he's in later on the card it was Farley and Gatto and Jeddo just everyone having a run out really wasn't it getting people on the card that, that was fine your thoughts John yeah this was fine nice bit of dad violence with a co you getting a win you can't can't go wrong <laughs> 
Master Wato and Tenkoji, Hiroshi Tenzan, Satoshi Kipita, <laughs> Satoshi Kojima, defeated Suzuki Gun, El Desperado, Takamichi Noko, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru when Master Wato made the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion submit clean in the middle of the ring in 9 minutes and 23 seconds, setting up Wato for a run at the Desperate One. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Because I now know you're going to have many. problem with. <laughs> I can't think what it would be. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> oh, yeah, El Desperado went hell for leather with like most famous rival and wins what happens the next night on the fucking undercard, no less. Hey, what? let's have a pre-show match where Master Wato taps out the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. Yeah, I that mean, makes sense. Well, it does make sense in the storyline in the sense that Desperado had just gone hell for leather with the best junior heavyweight in the world apart from himself for 16 minutes non-stop, which yeah, will weaken you somewhat. On the card. You don't do, sorry, on a pre-show, you don't do big story beats on a bloody pre-show. Okay, fair enough. I understand what you're saying. But at least they at least it made sense to me, like in the basic general things, as well as the fact that Wato has been on a run um in the last six months, especially his running best of super juniors, and he is a much, much better wrestler than he was a year ago. I'll grant you this perhaps wasn't the best of all possible moves. However, I have less problem with Wato being number one contender. My bigger issue is why Yo wasn't the one contender when he went to the final of the Best of Super Juniors and he's just beaten Show. Because we find out later in the card. Yes, but there you like, go. I hated this result at the time. I don't hate it as much now, mainly because I've actually gone back <laughs> and watched some of Wato's Best of Junior Super Junior matches just because you wouldn't stop praising him. So yeah. Yeah. He's he's definitely improved and I'm I'm fine with this. People change, John. <laughs> oh yes. I I I've said time and time again as time's gone on. Oh he's gotten better. Oh he's a bit less that was better. Oh he looks better. He's not just a power ranger's one a bit yeah. Like I'm okay with this. I just I don't see why they did it on a pre show that a lot of people probably skipped over. Yeah, in yeah. a throwaway tag bout. This should have happened, I don't know, at New Year's Dash or something else. You know, somewhere where it has some meaning. Yes, exactly. And people would have seen it, where people could be like, wait, did that actually happen? Yeah, that's the thing. It's it, it, that's, the, that's what New Year's Dash used to do. But they can't do that now. Because, well, they didn't have New Year's Dash this year, which was annoying. It just kind of felt like a shock spot more than an actual, oh shit, here's the new number one contender. It was just like. I mean, to be fair to Wato, he handled Despy through the whole match. Despy had a hard time with him. but And it was a clean pinfall victory. But of course, Despy was knackered. That was the whole storyline point of it. You know, just got. He's, he's in a match that's got Taka, Kanemaru, and Tenzan, who will all take pins. So it's mm. like. You could still look at this match and think, oh, Wato might get a win, but you don't expect it to be over Desperado. No, Desperado's but... like the only made man in the match as far as like rankings go at the moment. But I suppose it's a good way of getting him to the title one, because I don't think they want Yo to run at the title just yet. I think they'd much rather it was uh, Wato, because the first challenger is not going to win the title from Despi, is he? Whereas like Yo could win it. Yo feasibly now could win it. And show could feasibly win it. Wato can't feasibly win it. He's good, but he's not that good. I want him to win it now. 
You want Watto to win it? Yeah, yeah all right then. <laughs> He's let the world burn. I want to see that happen. <laughs> You'll want Taguchi to win it next. Anyway, moving on. The lab is De Hapan, Hiromi Takahashi, Bushi, and Shingo Takagi set about some, uh, what's the world here, damage limitation in their match with Suzuki Gun, Taichi, Zack Sabre Jr., and Duki as Shingo Takagi. Uh, hammered Dookie through the floor, to be honest with you, for most of this match. Though Dookie was actually the, the nuts and bolts guy in this match. It worked really well for him. He was looked really, really good and handled everybody on the Lil IJ team and then kind of rang into Takagi at full steam. And Takagi, as you can imagine, was quite pissed, uh, having lost the world title the night before. And so um, there you go. Last of the Dragon. Sorry, Dookie. There was a Doki Choki. I'm sure that Gino Gambino was dead happy with that. I don't, <laughs> no, I, I'm, I love that. I love Doki as a wrestler. He's great. I just... I don't quite see the point of these matches. Well, they like, put something on. <laughs> yeah, but it, it feels like such a sort of... Almost a slap in the face. It's like, oh, yeah, you were main eventing yesterday. You were in the title picture. You were in the title picture. Now you're on the pre-show doing throwaway tag bouts. It's like you'd expect it's just like, right, you did you did the hard work. Here's a night off. We've got plenty of other guys we can bring in to do pre-show matches. It's like, I, the matches themselves are fine, as you'd expect from the people in them. It's just with all the shite they'd done the night before, you'd think, oh, I think think I've earned the night off. <laughs> I'm going to go and rest up. Believe it or not, doing like a... Oh. Should we move on to the main my main card then? I was about to sneeze and then it, it decided, no, you're still ranting. Okay then. The IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match went into a three-way, as is traditional at Wrestle Kingdom, which harks back to the days of Red Dragon, uh, Rapingi 3K, um, Rapingi Vice, the Young Bucks, and all those great tag team matches we had in the mid 2010s. You know, those uh, teams you gave a shit about. Yes, whereas this one, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, it was all right. It was perfectly fine. Though Meltzer's on drugs if you give it four stars. Uh, 12 minutes and seven seconds. And this kind of had it was a tale of two halves because the first half was kind of uh, Bullet Club's cutest tag team kind of running the show back and forth until uh, Flying Tiger and Mega Coaches kind of got on top. I got chucked Ishimori out of the ring, who managed to knock himself unconscious. So they managed to take off um, El Fantasmo's shoe and prove, finally, once and for all, it was, in fact, a loaded boot. At which loaded point... Loaded with foil. Apparently. I believe that was supposed to be lead moulded around his heel. Um, it looked like tinfoil. It would have been a little better if the referee had actually sold it as being heavy. That would have made more sense. It was, um, it was just a spare fucking mouth guard. <laughs> uh, anywho, um, they got disqualified at first for a New Japan three-way match because you're not supposed to get disqualified in three-way matches, uh, which left Flying Tiger and Mega Coaches to have actually a really good match. And Tiger Mask walks out of the Tokyo Dome, remarkably still a champion on the 10th anniversary of the last time he walked out the Tokyo Dome as a champion. Oh, well, 10th anniversary plus a day. Um, yeah, this was this was fine. It was all right. It was pretty good for what it was. Told the story. Hopefully we can get away with the shenanigans from the world's cutest tag team. 
Um, and Rocky Romero and Raisuki Taguchi were left with a lot to think about as the mega coaches did not take the 69th Tag Team Championships as they had desired. And I believe Taguchi will now be on the look for another partner with which to try and take the titles from Flying Tiger because he's desperate to be the 69th IWGP Tag Team Champion. John, your thoughts? Yeah, I enjoyed this. I actually really enjoyed this. I thought it was silly fun and then became a really good like tag match. Like, I actually have nothing to complain about other than the fact the loaded boot looked like it was made of tinfoil. Like, come on, guys. You could have made a better prosthetic than that. <laughs> it, it, it was just fun. Something that was severely lacking for a, a lot of this. It had some energy, it had some fun, and it had some great wrestling. It just did its job. I think the same thing be said for the next match. Say Kamatina... Tam Nakano defeated Mayu Uitani in Starlight Kid in 9 minutes and 14 seconds. The reason why I enjoyed this match so thoroughly was because there was four people in the ring who thoroughly enjoy professional wrestling and are really good at it, and they had a match where they could clearly show they were trying really hard because it was the biggest stage they'd ever wrestled on and they weren't going to waste the opportunity, which couldn't be said for some people who were much older and knew better on this particular card. <laughs> Um, this match was outstanding. Four stars from Meltzer, probably a little bit undersold, and 7.38 from the cage matches, possibly my personal bias. But yes, I would watch Mia Witani wrestle in a telephone booth. Um, and I quite honestly have seen her wrestle in very small venues, and I'm glad to see that she's on the massive stage. So yes, this was really, really cool. Starlight quick from Odeo Time, Mia Witani from Queens. Which, which faction is she in? Stars. Tam Nakano is... Cosmic Angels. Cosmic Angels and Camatina is Queen's Quest. There you I go. I think so. Yeah, it's very complicated. There's a lot more factions in um, Stardom than there used to be. There's like 12. They breed them there. <laughs> There's a special faction farm in um, Rossi and Gower's office. Anyway, your thoughts on this match, John? Yeah, this was great. Like, I've really been like enjoying Stardom at the moment. Like, I watched the um, YouTube show they did. Where they've now got Tekla, Poison Spider. Mm. It's just like she bloody killed it alongside um I think she's just called Miu now. It's like Miu Mamor Mamor. Cause obviously Julia was doing the sort of Mormor mask. Sort of, oh, I've got random partners that can beat you. Turned out to be mm. Tekla and Miu, who were both like incredibly good wrestlers. <laughs> and yeah. But anyway, yeah, this match itself, just excellent, excellent, excellent action. You've got two teams of people trying to coexist from different groups, busting their ass to put on an excellent match because they've been given the chance to. Like, it doesn't stop. No, this is old school Joshi. I mean, one of the things people have noticed about stardom is the fact that it's become kind of New Japan stylized, especially with Liger and Milano Collection AT um, running the training school now, it's slowed down. It's not as a traditional a Joshi company as it used to be, whereas this match was absolutely a Joshi match. <laughs> this was breakneck speed, all aerial technical wrestling at 400 miles an hour. That was That's all it was. And it's like, you know, it's nice to see the old school stuff still worked. Yeah, the like this genuinely gave the show the energy boost it actually needed. Like it, anyway. Yeah. It, it, sorry, Karen. No, I genuinely just this match made me smile. 
Like, yeah. It was just so much fun to watch. It was, again, what Wrestle Kingdom used to be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the next match is everything Wrestle Kingdom always has been, and there's nothing wrong with that. It was fine. It was a fun match for the King of Pro Wrestling title. Minoru Suzuki is now your King of Pro Wrestling. Arguably, he always was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he but... defeated... He defeated Chazo in Sima and Toriyano in six minutes and eight seconds. This was a match where the introductions actually took longer than the match did. Oh, God. Um, Sima brought uh, Linderman and T-Hawk with him from Sima, uh, from uh, Gleet, uh, Gleet, even second him. And Suzuki just kind of plowed through everybody. And it was fine. And it did what it was supposed to do. Your thoughts on this, John? Yeah, again, it was just fun. It's sort of undercard fodder but done with a smile and it's just like oh is Jano going to start his third year in a row with the King of Fruit? Nope, he's dead. <laughs> Everyone killed him. Especially Suzuki. And now the King of Pro Wrestling trophy is with the scariest man in the company. At the press conference afterwards he said, just imagine the things I'm going to do with this. I'm going to make up rules people won't even have heard of before. <laughs> Because, of course, with the King of Pro Wrestling title, title, it's actually a title made for Suzuki, who loves all forms of professional wrestling and will take on anybody at anything. So that's going to be outstanding to see what he comes up with. I have a dark a feeling, and torturous mind. I have a feeling Suzuki. Suzuki is going to take this trophy with him to other companies. To I think other, so, too. Like, we'll see it in Glare under, like, UWFI rules, and then we'll see it in DDT, where it's like an egg and spoon race or something. <laughs> Um, they were commenting on that. The little clips I've seen of the Yokohama show, uh, they were commenting on uh, in the Suzuki Gun versus Suguri Gun match that, you know, maybe he could defend it in Noah. Maybe he might defend it in DDT. Maybe he defend it in any company. Like, so, this is Suzuki. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, <sighs> yeah, everyone else was cool. But now we get to... <laughs> a match we knew well it's we knew what was gonna happen before it even started. So what was the point? You may as well just rung the bell and give them the belts. So that's all you needed to do. House of Touch retain the I never open weight six man tag team championships in a match that really wasn't worth the effort. Nine minutes and thirty-seven seconds. At least this time Chaos had Tomohiro Ishii in their corner, but only one man can defend against four whoever else was there. It was all right, I guess. But again, pointless absolutely pointless <laughs> it's, it's like oh i've watched the same match so many times now it's got different people in it <sighs> your thoughts john <laughs> sorry i'm just laughing at the sheer venom because <laughs> you're normally the upbeat positive one i'm here to be the sort of Slightly caustic, way more critical, and I can just hear the soul leaving your body. <laughs> I just so, oh god! I knew exactly what was going to happen, and it was like, oh. and I was mildly excited. I thought they could just come out and give them an ass whooping, and I realized about two minutes into that, no, they're not going to do that, so they're going to lose in awkward fashion. Uh, the funny thing is, obviously, like Shaw wins because he twats you with the spanner. And cover them. And it's like, wow, it was exactly what you were going to do yesterday. Nice way to shake up the formula. And on the New Japan site, it just says, um, match time, 9 minutes 37 seconds, cover. 
<laughs> right, sort of like hit with a spanner mm-hmm. or blunt force trauma to just cover. <laughs> Even it's they didn't give a shit. Yeah, it's just yeah. House of Torture. How can you not like House of Torture? I mean, look at it. It's it's Dreadful. just Bullet Club without any of the charm <laughs> or reason to exist. The whole point of Bullet Club is for Japanese, it's for Gaijin wrestlers who felt they've been hard done to by the management. And like Kenta, I can see the point because he could technically say he's been hard done to by New Japan management. But you can't say the lead booker, um, well, no, Ghetto isn't in House of Torture, is he, I suppose? But, you know, Dick Gatogo, the guy who's got the ear of the lead booker, which is the reason why this crap keeps happening. Evil, a main eventer, show a top level junior heavyweight, and new Joe Takarashi has been forever and forever have uh, been, you know, given a bad hand by the management of New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's insane. So, this is this is just Dick Togo like manufacturing away. He doesn't have to wrestle and still get paid. <laughs> this is it. This is just Dick Togo and his sock puppet army. <laughs> like, he just, he just, like. He knows he's the greatest wrestler, like one of the greatest wrestlers on the planet, doesn't have to do anything because he can just talk to Gator and say, Hey, what if I was just on the outside with a garot wire all the time? I could be wanking in a corner <laughs> whilst they're all interfering. And then I just come in and ruin the match. Isn't that great? And Gator's there, like, Yeah, cause that's what Bullet Club have been doing. And people love that, you fucking imbecile. Anyway, let's move on. Um, Sonata defeated Great Okan in 30 minutes and 21 seconds. Great Okan accompanied by Aaron Harry Ray as Great Okan attempted to wrestle that pretty boy wrestling style of Sonata and had one of his best solo performances. I think this match was pretty good. I'm not convinced it should have been on the main card at Wrestle Kingdom, but I think it was pretty good. And you know, Great Okan, two years running, ends up with a singles match at Wrestle Kingdom. So it can't be bad for him. Um, good for Sonata. It was all right. I... <laughs> What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this. As we all know, I love Great Okan. I love his creativity. I love the fact he's unashamedly himself. And um, yeah, him and Sonata had a pretty damn good wrestling match. Like this, this was probably the most interesting in a match I've seen Sonata and all. Uh, you also feel a thought for Chris Charlton today, who has this week got to field a YouTube Q&A with Great Okan for Western wrestling fans um, who told me today over Twitter that please pray for him and treat him nicely and don't ask questions about uh, cosplaying or manhole covers. Oh, we can't have a Great Okan about cosplay. <laughs> or manhole covers. Or I mean, one of those VTubers. Things- <laughs> Oh, I don't know. You've got Great Otaku Khan over here, and you can't talk about half of that. That's a no. There's, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, he will be, he will be screaming. Wrestling and the boring wrestling only. One day he's going to fight in a maid costume. It's going to happen. Hikaru <laughs> Sato's, Sato's done it. He's going to fight in a maid costume. And it's, it is going to be the damn best match in a maid costume you have ever seen, not done by a Joshi wrestler. Talk to Charlton about it. He doesn't seem keen. Anyway. <laughs> but there you go. He just oh. said, I hope, they just hope there isn't any VTube fans who pay to come see this. Anyway, it's a paid for meet and greet, by the way. You have to pay to ask for a question. Um, 
which is, you know, um, catch wrestling point out. She may be giving an awful lot of money back by the end of the first half hour. Um, Tennessee NATO defeated Jeff Cobb in 15 minutes and 34 seconds in, again, an exceptional professional wrestling match. Tetsuya NATO always finds his way into a big spot at Wrestle Kingdom, because of course he does. And now he's got to try and figure out how to get back to that World's Heavyweight Championship. But more of that later on this particular card. Um, though this match was exceptional for a guy with no knees being hurled about with a guy who's just that good and that size. This was a ton of fun and well worth the price of admission. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, again, just goes to prove that Orkan and Cobb don't need big Billy Boy to sort of be top stars. No. Like, again, this was great. Cobb knows exactly what he needed to do. He knew how to maximise what he was doing. He knew how to, like, avoid killing off whatever little of Naito's knees are left. <laughs> and, yeah, they, again, just went hell for leather in a really good, really compact wrestling match. Like, it didn't outstay its welcome, it didn't drag, and it just kicked ass. Like, there you go. Like, considering Sonata had his best match in ages against Okan, and Cobb and, and Naito can just keep doing like this kind of exceptional level wrestling. It's just, I don't mind seeing more of this LIJ versus Cobb and Friends like feud because it keeps producing good matches. <laughs> He's just going to rename them Cobb and Friends. Now. To be fair, I wanted to call it Okan's Magical Army, but apparently we're not allowed to reference that sort of stuff. <laughs> Make it happen, uh, great or cat. Great or cat. Uh, yes. Okay then. Uh, yeah, that was fine. It was well worth a watch. In fact, it's one of the best matches of the weekend. You should go watch that. And now to the, the actual best match of the weekend. Indeed, the semi-main event was Hiroshi Tanahashi defeating Kenta in 22 minutes and 40 seconds for the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship. Uh, my friends, Lindsay BC for life, who was very upset at the end of this particular match uh, because she's a massive Kenta fan and feels that New Japan are awful and she hopes he goes back to Noah. I hope you're listening and I hope you're all right. I mean, um, that's basically what this was signifying, really. The free tent for the titles so he can fuck off to do whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> this was ungodly, is all I can say. The words Hiroshi Tanahashi swinging an acoustic guitar into somebody's head this was just the least Tanahashi match you've ever seen. This was Kenta really putting his body on the line where he really doesn't have to. You know, as Chelsea Spollen said on Twitter the other day, you know, a stiff breeze will injure him. So uh, doing this was just on another level and he managed to dislocate his hip, break his nose and scar up his back again. This was insane. And he broke um, yeah. I no, no, Inamura broke a finger at the Noah show. No, no, I'm pretty sure they said Kenta managed to break a finger and all during this match. Because it was, uh, it it was his nose, his hip, a finger, and his back. Everything. Already, yeah, Inamura had already broken one finger at that Noah show on January the 1st. Oh. <laughs> maybe, that's what, maybe that's where the finger... Yes. It, it just, oh, he's fielding off multiple injuries. <laughs> and the finger was just included in the um, list. But I guess that's hard. No, that, what, a broken finger was the start of a very eventful week for young um, Ken Takobayashi, I'm afraid. But there we go. Um, and yeah, this was just insane. Because neither of them have to do this. 
no one's watching, clearly. <laughs> so it's just like, what were you thinking? This I mean, the match is awesome. This is the best awesome. match New Japan have ever done. Oh, easily, like, by In modern way. times, this yeah. is the best hardcore match that's happened in a while. Maybe I mean, outside of Moxley Archer, but like... No, I think this was probably a tad better, because I think... <sighs> It was so. It was more kind of tied into a storyline of like, could Tanahashi go that far? You know, Archer and Moxley would quite happily go that far. That's their wheelhouse. But Tanahashi doing things he would never said he would never do. There's a story for you. It's like Superman stepping standing on his cape, isn't it? You know, and um, and it was echoed in the press conference afterwards because he said it was a hollow victory. He felt he hadn't won the title because he'd won it in that way. So as everyone can imagine, I love this. This was just 23 <laughs> minutes of pure violence. Like, this was hardcore plunder fuckery on a New Japan stage that ultimately led to nasty injuries, but all in the sake of entertainment. The fact that Kenta kept going even with a broken hip. What the fuck? Or dislocated hip, sorry. I don't think it's actually broken, but just either way, that's... That's a nasty injury to keep going with. <laughs> Considering that happened when he fell off the ladder. And he still took a high fly th- floor through a table after that. Oh, like, God. Let it be said, Kenta is a fucking badass. The highest of fly flows, as people put it. I was, which is the highest of high fly flows, which is which is good. It 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 was. Like my it's hat's like, off to both of these guys. Like this was unnecessarily horrifying in so many ways, and just like perfect to watch. Brilliant story, brilliant action, and just Tanahashi proving again how versatile he can be, even if he doesn't necessarily want to be. <laughs> Best match of the weekend, bar none. Like but this pal- is my absolute favorite. Perhaps my favorite moment was Ken trying to set up the ladder. Um, and you know, that ladder looked so unsafe. Like, I've seen did. some flimsy ladders in matches before, but that one just that looked like a breeze would kill it. So, I was just someone, like, why is no one holding that ladder? Someone did say on Twitter, uh, surely they taught him how to put a ladder up at the performance center. <sighs> um, but yes, which was a fun joke. Oh, this week I, I actually had one of my biggest tweets of all time ever when I uh, tweeted the fact that. WWE are looking for a new HR officer. Oh God, yes, I saw this. Through <laughs> you, it's just um, like... I was then fielding WWE fans for the rest of the week who assured me it'd be a fine job. Anyone would take that job. Why wouldn't you want to work for the WWE? It's WWE be... just fired two of the best technical wrestlers they had in Timothy Thatcher and Hideki Suzuki, and uh, and also one of the best storytelling brawlers that they had in um, Thingy, British guy. Danny Birch. Danny Birch, I say, yeah. You know, all um, of these people. And Steve William Regal. And... <laughs> to be fair, the worst one was um, oh, Alison Danger. Yeah, she was been in the talk about, company. Talk about timing. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, she's finally got herself settled down in Florida after uprooting her entire existence to come and work for you when you fire her in three months. Fuck you. Oh, not only did that, she went in early to cover for people because they had a COVID outbreak at the performance centre, got COVID herself, and had just got her son into school and was fired in the parking lot when she was driving out after her first day. 
Apparently, uh, yes. I wonder why we don't like WWE. They're just uh, an yes. amoral company. It's not said to me. You would take that. You would. You will never be able to support your family with an attitude like that. And I went, I'm 47 years old. I've never been unemployed. And he was like, oh. <laughs> so I've lived quite happily within my moral boundaries of my life. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. But yeah, it's just anyway. But yes, that's that's it. And look, my friends who work for WWE have got people who have thoroughly enjoyed their lives there. Uh, but I still think the company isn't necessarily that good when it comes to human resources. Anyway, let us move on. That's the story for another day. The main event of Wrestle Kingdom Night 2 was Kazuchika Okada defending his newly won IWGP World Heavyweight Championship in his fetching Inoki-aspired gear, which lists all of his achievements on it, which is like the most mark-for-yourself thing in the world, but absolutely awesome. Unfortunately, I had to wrestle Billy No Mates with his circus of mediocrity at ringside. 32 minutes and 52 seconds of the match that was all right. <laughs> I, I finally watched it. <laughs> you did I, watch I decided, it. I decided to be a professional and I watched it. Like I, I was going to pull this whole bit of like, oh, I didn't actually watch this one. I wanted to leave with the happy memory that Kenta versus Tanahashi was the main event. Plenty of people stopped watching. Honestly, loads of people just stopped watching after that point because they didn't want to watch this match. And they knew it was going to win anyway. And that's part of the problem this match has. No matter how good it was, we all knew Okada was winning. It's literally exactly the same problem that the night one main event had. But more so because Osprey isn't beating Okada this year. Give it two, maybe, but not this year. Like I saw, I went into this with the attitude that right, the night one main event didn't get me going that much. It was fine. It was it was a great match, but I didn't feel a thing for it. I am not going to feel anything when Osprey <laughs> loses, other than well, I told you so. And yeah. lo and behold, I was right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it had some spots in it, like um, Akada doing the Stormbreaker, which was kind of cool, but. It wasn't anything to write home about as far as I'm concerned. And it's a lot of it is to do with my personal dislike of Will Ospreay as a wrestler and as a human being. But, you know. Yeah, I, I used to really like Will Ospreay. Like, I used to think he was brilliant. Like, before, obviously, all the shit with him came out. But ever since he sort of became a heavyweight, that sort of innovation from him has died. Every match that Ospreay is in, is almost exactly the same. Like, if you've seen one heavyweight Osprey match, you've seen them all. Because he will do the exact same thing every time without fail. We used to give John Cena shit for the five moves of Doom. <laughs> Osprey's got, got about 15 moves of Doom that all have to be in a match. And it's even then, they're still not that entertaining to watch anymore. And here, oh, yeah. it was Sorry. fine. It was a good enough match because... We know Okada and Osprey have pretty decent chemistry. They're mates, so it kind of works nicely. But even then, it's it's the same soulless problem that Night One had in that when it it's all said and done, the action was great, but did you actually give a shit? That's that's the no. issue. And it was because you can't build tension between two guys who are, you don't know who they're going to wrestle. And it's the fact that uh, Osprey just can't promo at all they did a promo at the end of night one when osprey came out and someone commented i turned it off because i can't stand the sound of his voice but someone commented that Akada's english was better than osprey's so you know 
you know what just... I wish had happened? So halfway through this show, the Noah lot come out. Like yeah. 50 people from Noah. You've got Congo, you've got bloody... We mean, I was going to go back and talk about got... this because we forgot about it earlier. But carry on, yes. You've got the Funky Express, you've got everyone from Noah comes out. Like middle of the show, they drop a promo. Like um, Takagi and LIJ come out because obviously that's the big main event. It looks like they're going to have a scrap. And then it sort of cuts to intermission. Why didn't they come out at the end? Like, yeah, I mean, that feels like how you should have ended this show, not with Okada dropping another happy, oh, look, I'm champion again promo. It's like you needed that tension. I mean, sorry, Chrome. If your next event is the big company versus company thing, surely you want your company's top star staring down like Noah. It's like, here I am. Here's what I do. Here's my title. What the hell are your army going to do about it? Not, hi, we're nowhere and we're going to kick ass and look badass and steal the show when the show hasn't even begun. But it's like, that's cool. But why didn't this happen at the end? I understand what you're saying, but they've already sold all the tickets. (laughs) They they literally sold that building out. Um, It was it's a 14,000 capacity under normal rules. They sold 7,000 tickets. There was more people at that show on Saturday than there was on Thursday at Wrestle Kingdom Night 2 uh, in a building that is literally a third the size. Um, I just think that moment would have had so much more impact. It would have had, it would have had so much more impact, but if you've already sold out the show, I suppose you don't need to do it, which is fair enough to an extent. But, I mean, they also wanted to give space to NATO challenging Okada, which is the next main event to have. Um, which will be uh, the anniversary show, which is going to be interesting for sure. But I kind of, it's one of those break glass in case of emergency matches that I don't really want to see just yet. I would, Dominion would be nice. Next Wrestle Kingdom would have been better. Is, who's going to challenge your card in the meantime if not Naito? There's not a lot of challenges really. Cobb, who nearly beat him at G1. But he's just it's lost. Not like they can rely on NATO, I suppose. like that at the moment. No, that's the trouble. Is that they're lacking main eventers who've got credibility, which is another reason why Osprey didn't win. Osprey had a press conference the following day, by the way, um, where bizarrely he said the forbidden door is closed to me, which is a brilliant way of saying no one else wants to hire me, um, and he wouldn't go to WWE because he would which is fair enough because he said i don't want to sign for a company and i get fired eight months later for no apparent reason which is part of the only thing that he said all weekend that made sense um but yeah um and akadas you know he's Akada, and he's top dog once again and i'm happy with that but i can understand why you wouldn't be it's it's not that i'm not happy about it it's just that it doesn't feel like progress like if we were going back to Okada because like, I don't want to say he didn't work his way up, because he did. Obviously, he won G1. We had the red-haired balloon Okada a couple of years ago. We've had different phases of Okada. It's just, as you said, this is break glass for main eventer. This isn't Okada is the top dog because he's the top dog. This is Okada is top dog because everything else we've tried to do for Top Dog has failed miserably and we need to revert to the old ways before we die. It's, yeah. 
it's so soulless and formulaic because they don't know what else to do. And that's probably going to be the cost for the next six months. Unless they pull something incredibly radical or COVID just magically fucks off. Yeah. I because mean, a... we need the Gaijins back. We need more new bodies coming into New Japan. We just need some kind of movement instead of this same wheel spinning that's happened for a year. Yeah, I mean, there's the, there is the point that Keno made in his uh, promo during the, the Noah Invasion um, segment, uh, which was, so you need our help then to sell out Yokohama Arena. You can't do it by yourself, which is the biggest issue they have. You know, uh, Budokan just sneaked Noah ahead of Stardom as the second biggest promotion in Japan, just by about 100 and draw in individual events last year. Stardom had made a slightly smaller gate at Budokan a couple of weeks before, um, but Noah just are the second biggest company at the moment this week, shall we say, in uh, Japanese wrestling right now. But it's neck and neck between Noah and Stardom. But judging by those numbers at Wrestle Kingdom, it's not a big drop-off between Noah and New Japan like it used to be. It used to be a massive drop-off because Noah were terrible and they knew they were terrible. Um, Whereas now, uh, Noah are looking really, really good. And New Japan, not so much. And the reason why is because Noah have got a solid group of main eventers and people they can bring up. Look who were the ones who were important. The ones who were important were Muta, Segura, Keno, uh, Kiyomiya, Nakajima, uh, you know... Mohamed Yone just chilling out in the background. Yeah, my favourite bit was like... um, Nakajima going up to some of the old veterans and just going, excuse me, can I just can I just sit on top of the rope there? Because <laughs> it's what I do. <laughs> it's like, I just, oh yeah, sorry, didn't realise, didn't mean, sorry, guy, wait. <laughs> so many people were just like looking at the Funky Express and just like, who were they? And that made me so happy, because like, Funky Express are incredible. Like, they are, they're awesome. And it's just like, damn well that they deserve the recognition. They do, absolutely. But yeah, so but that's the thing. It's like, it's not that newer Japan hasn't got the personnel. They have, but they need somebody to rotate themselves around to make things different. And if you're going to go with Okada as a champ, he has to have a long run like he has done in the past to make it feasible. But he needs new challengers. You know, I would happily see Okada as world heavyweight champion till he retires. That's not going to happen. And it won't be good for the company if it did. But even if he just has a six-month reign or a year-long reign, which is probably most likely, I would think, he needs to have challenges that are interesting and going to draw people to the company. New fans that have gone away or old fans to come back. And that's the reason why they put a carder in charge. And, I mean, at least they have opened things up. They have Osprey as a main event and now. They have Ibushi, Takagi, uh, Nato. There's Okada, Tanahashi... I suppose Kenta, if he ever decided to come back, I'm not sure he would want to. I suppose Minoru Suzuki at a push. So there's seven guys that they could rely on. Cobb, Sonata, nine guys. Maybe Okan, if they could pull the pin on that. And I suppose Yoshihashi and Goto, those 11 people, you could make a championship run out of. Problem is, it's all the same people. Mostly, it is. Except it is. maybe Cobb and Okan. But this is the new challengers. This is the thing, though. Back in the day, when you had a never, you had the never openweight championship, keeping the mid carders happy, and essentially two world titles because the intercontinental championship was booked as a world championship. 
um, you could have two champions spreading the weight of the draw across the year. Um, let the junior heavyweight tag team champions and never open weight titles take on the smaller houses that you have to do to keep those markets open. Um, and then swap between the intercontinental and world heavyweight title. And that formula worked for years. I understand why they needed to go away for it, but it seems like, you know, you've got the US champion back in Japan now. So that kind of takes the weight a little bit, but it does feel a bit like they, sh they cut off their own nose to spite the face. It's like, well, as much as I enjoyed these two shows, you can't help but just think about everything that's changed and everything that's sort of gone wrong in the yeah. sort of short distance between, like, rest, the Wrestle Kingdom that had... Uh, it was last year's that had the big Jay White win, wasn't it? Or the no. Jay White loss. Big Jay White loss. It felt like... It feels like a different world compared to that card. Rabushi's out long-term injured. Was... Jay White can't wrestle in Japan at the moment. <laughs> it's, yeah. There's just so much that needs to change if they're ever going to recapture people. Like, House of Torture is putting a lot of people off. Even if they don't want to admit it, people don't like it and people are tuning, turning off because of it. And even before House of Torture, people were just getting sick of the Bullet Club booking and the bloody just unnecessary repetition of shenanigans. Yeah. It's like, you can have your shenanigan matches, sure, but like, maybe limited to one match. You don't need to have two or three shenanigans matches because, oh, wacky house of torture, oh! It's like, <laughs> no, nobody likes them. Just stop. Get some help. Yeah. Break them up. Let evil be evil again. Let all these wrestlers be themselves. Like, if you wanted Bad Guy Show, you could have done Bad Guy Show without a faction. Like, Christ. But anyway, there we are. And that's Wrestle Kingdom. Let us finish on a positive note. The last night of Wrestle Kingdom was at Yokohama. I have seen little bits of the show, like I said, on feed, and it does look exceptional. And it was a sellout show. So New Japan do have something to look forward to. But it feels like when you refresh the product by adding in an entirely new roster to play with, that's what's really selling the show. So hopefully they could learn from that throughout this 50th anniversary year. Thank you for listening to the Troopany show today. My name's James Troopany. Mr. John Dinsdale, where can we find you on the internet, sir? You can find me at Twitter handle John Deathman. That is the gateway to hell that will lead you to my writings, my ramblings, my opinions. Screenshots I take of Mohammed Yone when he's chilling out the background of a Noah segment. It's just there's a lot of fun over there. There you go. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find the show Troopany Show on Twitter. And you can find us on Facebook with the Troopany Show and Patreon, the Troopany Show, where you can keep us free forever for everyone. Next week, we will probably look at that Yokohama show if it's up on Universe or on World on Time, if you subscribe to over those particular services. And we'll go through that card then. In the meantime, have a good wrestling week. I am on the Wrestling Rewind this week. Not Wrestling Rewind. I'm on the... Eh, that thing. <laughs> Random Wrestling Review this week, uh, where we looked at... Um, he says, because it's just been released right now, the New Year's Revolution 2007. Watch, listen to me watch wrestling. I hated at the time and didn't watch. There you go. And I discovered I didn't hate it quite as much. <laughs> <laughs>
but you can get the full story over on uh, the Random Wrestling Review. Thank you for listening to this week. Take care. We'll speak to you soon. Bye.